This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality. This is Charlotte Chung and Fred Tatashore. And you're listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time, time Live. It's time. Talk Time. Let's go. Anime, comics, movies, and games. To come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. To come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. To come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. To come on and let's get it. Talk time. Live. Started in the 80s with Matt Cross. Dudes in the hood might have called that soft. But I carried that cross like Jesus did. Fast forward, I teach the kids to learn how to let go. Live life and show love to all things that don't matter. Where y'all from? And luckily, there's a show called Talk Time. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Dax kicks the facts on all the geek news. Special guests and unbiased reviews. Suburban kids, the hipster street dudes. All can learn something new. Me too. I heard worse when no faith is empty. I stayed the course, so my haters tempt me. Beep the podcast, that'll make them envy. It ain't too trendy. It's ACMG. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime comics, movies and games. The come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime comics, movies and games. The come on and let's get it. Talk time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the Prime Show. I am your host, Xavier Josiah. Welcome back to a rainy Philadelphia morning. This is episode 203, and we are here to go down, way down, to the jungle deep to talk about Dolomite Is My Name, Netflix's new movie starring the return of the one and only Eddie Murphy. He makes his comeback. This movie has hit some limited theaters, a lot of great praise on it. We finally get to see it as it hits Netflix this week. And we got a lot to talk about that in our talk topic of the day. So we're going to get down on that as well as a lot of news going on in our favorite fandom. So young bloods, let's not waste any time. Let's find out what's new in the world of ACMG. And now, it's time to find out what's new in the world of ACMG. I don't know how, I don't know why, and somewhat, I don't care. But this, for the last few weeks actually, has been a little bit of wrestling news going on, and it somehow is embedded into the things that we talk about here on ACMG presents talk time live and I could not be more happier I love when I can you know play into the wrestling you know aspect of this whole entire thing even though this is anime comics movies and games if it is connected to it we bring it up so here it is again we're back I mean we're going to talk a little bit about wrestling news have you guys heard my select start video game podcast this week <laughs> we got down on uh, wwe 2k but this is actually related to all elite wrestling once again they are connecting to a really particular fan base and i absolutely love it it's very smart the first episode of uh aew dynamite they had the appearance of 
Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes, which connects to a particular demographic, me in particular as well. So I was all for that. I was all for the company before that. But the addition of that, I you can see from a marketing and promotion and business standpoint what target audience they're looking for. They're looking for that young demographic that is looking for all things cool. It's the total opposite of what WWE is doing right now. And it's very smart. It's awesome. And now, all of a sudden, on Twitter, we see Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty. Yes, Adult Swim Cartoon Network's Rick and Morty. Posted by All Elite Wrestling, their official uh, Twitter account. With the graphic that they show, they have an account that they have a graphic that they always show and they post whether who's wrestling is going to be is all elite there and hashtag all elite. This time, Rick and Morty makes it. And folks are wondering what was going on. Like, they were very excited. A lot of Rick and Morty fans are out there, and a lot of Rick and Morty fans also translates to wrestling fans as well. I can attest to that. And Lo and behold, in a recent post from the hottest new wrestling promotion out right now, they did that. And then what we learned uh, later learned, according to Cody Rose, who is the vice president, also one of the top the top wrestlers in that company right now. Also, the son of the late great uh, American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. He actually posted a spoiler saying in on Halloween night, which is where AEW Dynamite will be having uh their next episode those who attend the live event will receive rick and morty mask that is so awesome that they do so many cool things this is so this you know what i love about this and this is something that wwe has not done and that they're doing for those who don't know all elite wrestling is was created by a couple of wrestlers who decided that they didn't want to work for the WWE, decided that their corporate practice and philosophy was outdated, and also it it just didn't work. And it, it was a, like more of a fraternal base. And they were like, we can do it on our own. We're getting by on our own. We're making money on our own without having to rely on WWE's big money or blood money, if you want to put it that way, depending on That's a whole nother story. Um, but they worked with Tony Khan, who is whose father owns the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, I believe. And what they're doing is creating a very sports-centric version of professional wrestling, where it's less drama, but where the drama lies only in the ring, in the competition in the ring. There's some, like, there's subtle drama aspects to it, but it doesn't oversaturate the entire show like WWE does. So, with... Tony Khan and his father actually be are more, you know, they're they're business folks that are targeted for the NFL. They put that NFL aspect, especially the business marketing aspect, into this situation, and they're doing things that they would normally do in the NFL or even MLB or even in uh, NBA. So this whole Rick and Morty night thing for Halloween is awesome because that's exactly what you see in football or especially baseball. You see that more in baseball and basketball where you have a special night and on that special night, they have giveaways for everybody in the crowd. I know I forgot. I remember seeing um, a post where the Toronto Raptors, everybody in the stadium are getting replica rings, championship rings. That is 
above and beyond right there but that's a whole other situation but it that's i mean it's awesome it's absolutely awesome but stuff like that you i've never seen that happen in wrestling before where everybody gets some at least not for years i don't i don't recall nwa doing stuff like that but the fact that they're doing this and they're reaching out to a fandom like situation because again um a lot of the wrestlers in this company are also fans of stuff like this like rick and morty um kenny omega is huge is a huge gamer he loves street fighter 5 in fact one of his most lethal nasty looking moves is a knee is a running knee a high pace running knee and, and it's, it's rapid called the v trigger named after street fighter so and it, it honestly it looks every bit as lethal as any v trigger move that you put on that game he the speed that he puts in there and the impact that he puts in there is insane if you haven't seen it google if you're not a wrestling fan of you google kenny omega it's really easy to say kenny omega v trigger trust me you're you're gonna you're gonna go like oh it's it's heavy but you know these guys get it they get their fan base they get the fan base that is not being targeted to the to to the masses when it comes to wrestling and they need that young demographic back and this is how they're doing it this is phenomenal marketing this is phenomenal branding here i love what they're doing i really appreciate what they're doing you know anybody who's in it branding and all this stuff and and you know promoting watch what they're doing man this is some awesome stuff right here so uh you know these guys are doing it right now unfortunately their opposing company wwe is not and let me tell you we talked about this this is segueing right into the next segment to the next uh uh subject here we talked about this on select start of the debacle of the new wwe 2k20 game that i was not getting especially at the news when i found out that yukes wasn't coming i wasn't going to get it at first i I mentioned this before i wasn't going to get the game if they didn't have anything new that the other one didn't not only did they not have anything new but they also they were more losing than they had were gaining here because they lost yukes yukes was has been there the heart of that game for years and when yukes left you could see the difference when Dukes left because the game is hideous. I didn't see the game. I've only heard so many. I, I've read so many Twitter posts of people who have owned the game and said how crappy this game is in comparison to last year's game, which was said to be really good. I gave it a great rating. I hated to admit that they were were great after what they did to the Switch version, but that game may be the last great 2K19. I'm talking about maybe the last great game. That WWE ever produces right now because Yukes is the only person, only people left that can do a really good wrestling game uh, outside of Spike. The, the only I can only see them getting Spike, but Spike is working with New Japan Pro Wrestling, so they're out of that loop from there with Fire Pro. Then, and I honestly, quite honestly, I prefer Spike Chunself working with New Japan Pro Wrestling way better than i feel <laughs> working with wwe i at this time japan is a well aware of wwe's antics and they're not wanting to make deals with them right now because they don't think that they're living up to the spirit of wrestling and the spirit of the business of wrestling and that their business practices is not really good so they're not making deals with um wwe right now so that's how then you got sin sophia formerly known as aki corporation 
who is still rumored to possibly be working with AEW on a new wrestling game. And if that is the case, oh crap. <laughs> That's all I got to say about that. If the Aki engine makes its grand return to wrestling, do you know how many hearts of hardcore wrestling game fans is going to, myself included, is going to cry <laughs> at the announcement of that? That is going to be absolutely phenomenal. But then you have Ukes, who in, a, in an interview a while back, did say that they were working on a new title of their own. They wanted to do something fresh. Even they got fatigued over the things that's been going on with WWE. So they want to prove them themselves as well to be able to make a really solid title. I always, me personally, they weren't the best. But considering that Spike barely came out, that Aki came out, they were the best that we had. And I felt that they did improve over the years. It, it was It's kind of a, they screwed up but they improved they proved their self and 2k19 to me was that time where they were able to build up what they messed up on last time and really do a great job on last year's game last year's game was really good it was really good undeniably i wish they were able to make a switch port version of what they did last year that but unfortunately that's, that didn't happen but this compared to this one and i finally got to see some footage of this game i was at all the contrast between last year's game and this year's game was is insane there was an article on ign.com that i got to see where they had multiple clips of 2k20 which is graphic and graphically compared to last year's game the results to, i was i didn't own the game i just looking at the game i was extremely upset at the efforts of visual con uh, concepts. This shouldn't have never come out. This game should never have come out the way it, it came out. That is absolutely, there is no excuse for them taking people. And this is the same rant that I'm gonna have for, that I have for 2K18. 2K games, visual concepts, more 2K games because they hire visual concepts to try to do this. Just like they hire uh, Blind Squirrel and put them in the forefront of the target. Of the of the uh of the shooting range that you know in front of everybody 2k games more than anybody needs to be ashamed of yourself and then more other credit goes to wwe because i can see wwe forcing them to make sure that they come out with a game on time by october for some reason they made a deal where every october a new game comes out as these games with with the execs at WWE don't understand is that as these games get more, yeah, as, as more evolved, it takes more time to do it. So like this is, and now you kind of gotta understand why companies like Square Enix doesn't come out with games immediately. Now, granted, I won't defend them totally because Square Enix takes way too long sometimes for game to come out, and and I think even the worst part is that it's not only just the fact that they come out with games. They take way too long to come out with games. I think also the fact that they keep announcing games. They keep putting the proverbial carrot and dangling the carrot only to pull it away every single time saying like you can't get it yet. And I think that's a problem too. It's like don't make any announcements until you absolutely know that this has come out. Because you can only tease somebody and do teaser trailers for so long until it becomes ineffective because before the hype dilutes. So I don't think that's a general good idea, but Square Enix, 
does that. Thank goodness they didn't do that to Final Fantasy uh, for too long, and they managed to do it, and still managed to get the hype, to, uh, you know, for the crowd to come in. But when you have a game rush like this, and this whole this whole entire situation reminds me of the ET situation from back in the day. This reminds me of when the story. There's a documentary about that of how Steven Spielberg wanted ET to have a game immediately. Him not being as educated as as great as a legendary director and producer he is. He is not educated in a video game world on how this comes out. He wanted, and even even though that was like an Atari game, which is like 2-bit, 5-bit, I don't know. It's very Paleolithic, (laughs) you know, style of gameplay. It still takes a while for it to come out to have some type of, you know some type of uh, scheme of things to create a good game you know the schematics of that alone is like you you have to create a program that makes sense and they just wanted to see a product rush they just wanted to slap a label have a good little piece of graphic design on the label in a box in a box art and everything just show et just show elliot in there by the way elliot didn't he just get uh arrested for DUI but that's a whole new hair note there I digress but they you know they have to do this for some reason and what you get is a rush game that is incomplete and that's exactly what happened here have they not learned the lesson of course not because this is WWE and WWE is as corporate as you want to be they don't think they think like corporate heads. They don't think like actual fans, like people with understanding. This is why this is why the industry is sinking because they don't get their fan base. They they don't want to get their fan base. This is why also the movie industry for comic books has risen because now you got fans that are you know directing, that are writing, that are producing this in the 90s that wasn't the case you had directors you had hollywood producers you had studios who just wanted to bring out a comic book movie or what they used to call a superhero movie which only just showed none of the essence of what the comic book or what people loved about the comic book they just showed people wearing costumes and acting or what we what they considered acting now you got these really great and this is probably going to segue into another subject (laughs) soon but but now you got you know people who are writing really great stuff so i got to see clips of bianca belair's entrance uh from 2k19 with the freight with great frame rate great animation looks tremendous in comparison the 2k20 version looked horrendous it was very buggy it lacks it lacked texture frames lighting shadow everything that last year's version had it was just just unacceptable you got people who paid 130 dollars for an entire bundle collector's edition which by the way i also mentioned too that some of the collector's edition which concluded a picture of edge which was supposed to be autographed by adam copeland aka edge only to find out that there was no signature on air adam copeland filed out he went on twitter he said this was a bad move they dropped the ball and it, it that wow it really pisses me off 
2K Games is right now one of the worst companies out in the game industry right now. This is not the first time they've done this. This is the second time they've done this. Maybe the third because I, th I heard 2K NBA 2K also from time to time would have problems depending on which version. They lack customer service skills. They lack the ability to be truthful with their with their consumer base and fan base. I don't see how anybody can even invest in 2K games right now. This is extremely unacceptable and I thought this was like a one-time thing. This is now a two-time thing. I don't know what's going on with that company as of late, but things, something is not right with that company. Maybe they need a new turnover. Maybe I, I if WWE still has keeps a contract with this company after this, I do not see how in the hell that they're going to survive or any or any game sales is going to come in after this. It, this is the fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me once was 2K18. Fool me twice is now 2K20. I don't, I really can't see this. What Yukes did to shut everybody up to whoever said anything bad about how they develop wrestling titles because regardless of what people say it is no way shape or form worse than what they see here in 2k20 i mean seriously if you guys have seen the comparison clip video clips of bianca Belair's entrance it's crazy 2k19 her hair because anybody knows who's bianca Belair is she's an nxt uh wrestler she her gimmick is that she has this long huge rope ponytail that's braided there's one braid ponytail that she kind of uses as a object to use which for some reason is legal to use because they say it's a part of her hair so <laughs> she's legal to use it and it's an awesome gimmick but it flows as naturally as it could possibly can on last year's game this year the bugs in this game it doesn't it's just so bad it looks worse it looks like a a playstation 2 title and i really hate to say that because i think w, um the 2k the, the playstation 2 titles were somewhat better than what i saw there there were also some other things and really some bad glitches and such this is just this is this needs to be the end of 2k games maybe from just from the wrestling aspect i don't know but there's something going on with that company that they're not telling people and they're trying to keep secrets and every time they try to keep secrets it gets louder and louder this is the tell tell heart something is happening over there they're trying to keep it and it's the the truth is just coming out more and more like i said i i, I it, the way the direction that wwe is going right now i think they're going to keep them I because I don't think they have anything else or they're just going to stop making games period and I think they should because I don't see anybody else if there's a company out there right now that can possibly make a game as good as what Yukes could do or uh, Sin Sophia can do or Spike Chernsoff these are the only three companies that have made very successful wrestling games legendary wrestling games I don't see anybody else out there right now maybe they are 
maybe we haven't come yet. Maybe this is that one indie-based company that could come out. There is a game that's coming out, uh, a 2D game that's coming out very soon. That's gonna have that, but it's already taken by the House of Hardcore. <laughs> so I mean, that's being taken out, and that's coming on a Switch specifically for the Switch. So unfortunately, that's out right there. Again, 2K Games, shame on you. Shame on you, WWE. Shame on you. That's that's. There's nothing else to really say on that note. But I mentioned about Marvel movies, so we're gonna segue right into that because I wasn't gonna say anything, but this thing got is so big that it's really annoyed the hell out of me it's really really so much so that i actually did an editorial on talktimelive.com but i'm going to recite some of that here and you're going to hear it and i'm probably going to add a little bit more of my two cents to this as well my thoughts on the debate over martin scorsese francis Ford Coppola, jennifer aniston and whoever else is going to try to follow along on this something with their comments against marvel studio films Scorsese and Coppola is doing exactly, and Jennifer Aniston to some extent, to a lesser extent, is doing the exact same thing. Former, late, great, and I give him credit, late, great film critic Roger Ebert has done before he passed. He did a article, or he did a blog article on his website, which is still up right now talking about how video games can never be art. And in my, in many opinion, that is the dumbest quote and dumbest statement his smart ass could ever say. And I know he's passed away. Rest in peace to him. He's, he was, he's a legend in his own right. But even legends, that doesn't mean legends mean that they're right all the time. Everything, this is fact. Everything in its own way, is an art. Just as everything we see on film is and should be considered cinema. His disdain for Marvel is another form of segregation against something that he and others that agree with him feel threatened by. I have a feeling, and I will bet that none of these people who made this statement ever watched the likes of Captain America, the Winter Soldier, which to many was beyond that of any normal comic book movie and has allowed casual fans to understand the depth of comic book narrative. Hey, like seriously, if Robert Redford, who is one of the most respected actors of our time, can be in a movie like this, that speaks volumes. He is a multi-award winning actor. He has been in some of the most sophisticated, hugely acclaimed movies that has ever graced the big screen. Now, and I've said it many times before, and I use him as a phenomenal example here. Robert Ruffer in the 80s and in the 90s would never accept the role of being in a comic book movie due to the lack of quality, the lack of script quality, and times where comic books were looked down upon because it lacked the amount of depth and the possibility of making it a serious film or having it relate to anything realistic. 
There wasn't the mindset for it back in the 80s and the 90s, even the 70s. There is now. We have really intelligent directors, writers, actors that are able to make this a relevant type of subject, a subject matter that can relate to some things in real life. They were able to do things that people in Scorsese's and Coppola's era were afraid to do. Didn't have the means to do, may not have the mindset to do. And that's where I think this is the real issue. I think when they talk and say one thing, I hear another. Then you have the likes of actress or actresses like Jennifer Aniston. I believe I've heard Jeff, Jack Black also, you know, spoke on this as well. But you have Jennifer Aniston, who is like so high on our high horse right now because she did one Instagram tweet for the first time ever. It hit a world record. Congratulations, I guess, for that. I guess that's as good as any Oscar or Golden Globe that you could possibly get. But you have Jennifer Aniston, who recently became you know relevant for that reason, and that reason only at the moment. Never going to say that she's never relevant because she is you know who she is, and you know, but she doesn't. She hasn't done anything in a while. Well, she has. She's given her thoughts on the subject, agreeing with the likes of Martin and Francis, and many many people are furious about it. Many people are upset. People who are fans of her are upset about this, who are also fans of these Marvel movies that they enjoy a lot. The star of the upcoming Apple TV series, The Morning Show, stated in a recent interview with Variety where she says, and this is a quote from her, it wasn't until the last couple of years when uh, the streaming services were just sort of exploiting Exploding, actually, I'm sorry. Exploding with the amount of quality <laughs> that I actually started to think, wow, that's better than uh, what I just did. And you're seeing what's available out there. And it's, uh, it's just diminishing and diminishing in terms of it's big Marvel movies or things I, that I not uh, that I'm not uh, I'm sorry that I'm not just asked to do really that interests me in living in a green screen okay with that what I got from out of that was basically her saying basically her actually saying like she said she's claiming that she didn't want to do the green screen thing I'm asking was she ever asked to do the green screen thing? Did she ever get invited to do... Was she ever casted to be in a Marvel movie? I don't recall ever anybody saying anything about Jennifer Aniston being connected to whether a Marvel movie, a DC movie, or any of these comic book movies. And the fact that they even targeting market Marvel movies only really says a lot. Because they're more than just... DC films came out with movies. Some of them... A few of them were successful. Some of them weren't. You got other movies that were successful. Um, out, I mean, like, there were tons of other movies that came out that were, you know, over the years. Kick-Ass. Watchmen. All these things. I mean, you had movies over there. It's not until Marvel Studios started not only coming out with movies, but making movies that were making so much cash, that were making so many waves, that were doing so much fandom. Why is that a bad thing? Somebody tell me why is that a bad thing? Why is it? And then you got people 
who are trying to jump on that bandwagon as well. And I had people on the ACMG Facebook group try to jump on that bandwagon just for the sake of jumping on that bandwagon, just to be, it was more or less to be contrarian more than just having a real valid point because you want to be that contrarian dude. You want to be that one to stand out from the rest who all agree. That is, I, that is some of the lamest piece of crap I've ever seen, I've ever heard. I hate when people do that because it's never organic. It's never organic. And then when you try to question them on it, they don't really have a good response for it. It's just that they're following the opposite, the opposing side. So that's me. When it comes to her, and this is coming from somebody whose career, and I'm referring to Jennifer Aniston here. This is coming from somebody who, had, who led a career on a show whose concept of the show was taken, damn near stolen from another show. You know, if you really want to talk about something, let's talk about how Jennifer Aniston was famous for living single. You know, that, let's let's get to that. Let's get on that subject. Let's get T.C. Carson back on the show to talk about that. You know, let's get let's you know, let's talk about all uh, Erica Alexandra. We already heard her in the Breakfast Club talk about that. You know, it, that to me, <laughs> that's a whole other subject that Jennifer, I'm sure Jennifer Aniston don't want to talk about. Uh, that, that, it, it really amazes me. Listen, isn't the entire point of acting, and this is what I said on the uh, on the uh, on talktalkalive.com too. Isn't the point of acting the uh, the is the ability to emerge the audience into a portrayal of the story and characters that are being told, no matter whether or not they're performing it on a green screen or not. That doesn't matter, and here. Take note, it's not just it's not just Marvel movies, it's not just comic movies. And if, by the way, Star Wars is freaking coming out. Nobody said anything about Star Wars, which is like <laughs> no, come on. Star Wars is like the innovator of all of this. Okay? Nobody talked about Star Wars. They only they're trying to bully Marvel Studios. They didn't bully DC or Warner Brothers. They didn't bully anybody else that's coming out, Terminator, all that stuff. They are bullying Marvel Studios because most of their films have made more money, have gotten way more praise than even Martin, Francis, and even especially Aniston combined. Plain and simple. It shouldn't matter if you're acting on a green screen a college campus, a street, or a studio with studio props. It should only matter that your acting ability suspends our disbelief. Does not matter. Should not matter. And by the way, do you know that a lot of sitcoms that I watch, any of those Chuck, those great Chuck Lore uh, TV shows, um, any of the you know CW content, a lot of those are also done in the green screen in certain in certain scenes i would just, especially like during driving scenes and stuff like, like green screen has been used for a long time way more than just being hooked on a wire or stuff like that or it it doesn't matter you're also you're, you're you're talking about green screen how is that different from being on a stage on broadway or any stage plays how does that matter it all matters somebody like a green screen is no different than being on a stage with props 
you obviously know that the, the stage and props are not real. You know that there's some of them are, you know, some of the designs, the stage designs are not real. But what matters is how you could have nothing. Like you could be on front of a green screen and have nothing. But it's all in how you portray the character. When it comes down to it, nobody's focusing on the behind the scenes or the backgrounds of anything. It's more of the foreground, which involves the actors itself. So you want to know why is this too much? Everybody say there's like too many Marvel films or they're claiming or they're being contrarian about why there's too many Marvel films. It's because we love it too much. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I don't like the fact that they're trying to vilify the notion that comic book movies in this day and age is a bad thing. Let's really focus on what's really being said, mostly from those who have never been casted to be in any of these movies. Because to me, it sounds more like someone is very hurt about not being invited to the hottest parties in Hollywood for the last 11 years and that they're being bitter about it. That's what it sounds like to me. All of the hardworking people that have ever been involved in any of these Marvel films, DC films, uh, whatever the indie films, the films that are Netflix, the films that are like, um, and wherever that any of these films, but like, of course, we're only supposed to focus on Marvel Studios because for some reason they're the only ones that are doing it. Anybody who's been, who worked their ass off working involved in a project have done something very special to excite all of us as fans and do something that many other, others, I'm sorry, have tried and failed to do. I won't even talk about what Black Panther has done for my community. I don't even want to talk about because it's been said enough it's been heard around the world to undermine those efforts are nothing short of despicable since their announcement many other actors and actresses mostly of those who have actually had roles in the mcu has spoken out against the negative opinions of martin francis and jennifer and others including natalie portman uh robert downey jr uh, Josh Whedon, James Gunn, Samuel L. Jackson, who just don't give a F, of course, and has spoken greatly on this, and many more. That, to me, is just insane. It's bitterness. Get over it. Or, even better, try to do something just as good that will get as much acclaim, that will excite fans, that will get, draw them to what you're making. And just shut the hell up. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Let's brighten up some other news, maybe. Last bit of news I got. Anybody got a any, anybody got eleven hundred dollars? Anybody likes Insomniac Spider Man? If you do, now you can own an exclusive 24 inch statue courtesy of PCS Collectibles. Yes, the famed game. One of the best games to come out last year has, in fact, have a statue. It's beautiful. It looks exactly like 
the game version uh, with the advanced suit that was created by Insomniac Games, and it comes with an adjustable web accessory. The statue shows Spidey jumping off of a demonic formation of Mr. Negative. You guys remember the game that was his enemy, and he came in different forms. This, uh, I believe you could go on to GameInformer.com to see pictures of him. There's a slideshow that they have of it on there. It looks awesome. It looks absolutely tremendous, but it cost $1,100. As much as I love that game, and as much as I love Spidey, I really, you know what I could do with that money? That's This is non-rich me talking right now. I don't know what's going to happen down the line, but <laughs> that's a lot of K. That's a, that's a, that's a dent in your bank account and in your wallet so i will not be mad for anybody who could get it i think somebody should own that it's beautiful i love it i'm a spidey fan but i'm an unaffordable spidey fan for that amount so it's out uh the statue is said to be shipped between january and march of 2021 so i'm sure somebody's gonna have it love it and enjoy it there so to go out of the way folks that will do it for what's new in the world of ACMG. We're going to take a break. Come back and get down, down and dirty with the tribute to one of the greatest in black comedy and one of the grandfathers, or I'm sorry, godfathers of hip hop. That being Rudy Ray Moore, a.k.a. Dolomite, as we review Eddie Murphy and Dolomite is my name. We'll do that right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dax Xavier Josiah, the host of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the podcast. You want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime, comics, movies, and games, such as... This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langdon, the voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go. Here's your chance to check out all of that and more on Talk Time live.com talktomlive.com provides all of our acmg content with new and previous episodes exclusive interviews articles and much more visit talktomlive.com and let us help you learn to let go live life and love all things acmg hey what's happening this is tc carson and you are listening to acmg's talk time live and this is kratos keep listening do it. And now it's time for our talk topic of the week. Ready? Fight! Alright folks, we are back with our talk topic of the week and it is my review of Dolomite Is My Name, the latest Netflix original movie starring the return of the legendary greatest of all time comedian Eddie Murphy. A lot of you you like any of millennials that are listening to this right now i know you kind of know how big of a deal eddie murphy is but when when an eddie murphy movie came out it was beyond huge it was insanely i mean like he's had some bad films along the way but i mean we focus on the really great ones the legendary ones um beverly hills cop Whenever Beverly Hills Cop, especially one and two, came out, it was a big deal. When 48 Hours came out, that was a huge deal. Because at the time, like, Eddie Eddie was astronomical. Like, in the 80s, he was the level of fame as Michael Jackson and Michael Jordan. Like, he's iconic. Like, the only person I can really say that you can love, that he could level up to as far as fame 
in the 80s and in the 90s would be Kim Kardashian. And I'm not joking. Like, Eddie is legendary to that point. The difference is, and I, I hate to discredit her because she's, as of late, has done some really great things. But he got his fame from working his ass off doing a lot of really great comedy over the years and being and, and being extremely talented. Whereas Kim Kardashian was working her ass off in somewhat different way, but to her credit, to her credit, she has done, she is now using her fame and her celebrity to do some really great things. And I will never take that away from her. But her level of fame, their, their level of fame is, is just as equal in his case. And he's like, he's royalty at this point. So whenever he comes out and does a project, he doesn't do many. It's huge. And he hasn't done two things he hasn't done in a while. Movies and stand-up. And one thing to do a movie, because he's done a plenty of those, he stopped doing a comedy ages ago. When he when he the minute that they announced that he's gonna do a stand-up, that is huge. It's really actually huge that Arsenio Hall is gonna be doing a stand-up again uh this week. Uh, his at new Netflix. I've never seen Arsenio Hall do a stand-up before, so that's speaking volumes right there. But um Eddie hasn't done a stand-up since Raw. Which to many is legend. I'm a delirious. I'm more of a delirious fan than I was a raw. Um, but man, was that ever awesome as hell to see him come back, and not only come back but have an all star cast of people, and and paying tribute to another what is considered an icon in both comedy and hip hop because a lot of people say and they said it on a movie that this guy has inspired so many hip-hop artist to become to, and he, they consider they label him proclaim him as the godfather of hip-hop and there's a lot of reasons to understand why and a lot of reasons to understand why what he is him making a comeback on this show and i'm talking about eddie murphy and then coming along and bringing along some of the top black talent of today is a dream i i felt like when i was watching the movie i live vicariously through a lot of these stars like there's a, there's some legends in this movie like Snoop Dogg for instance there's some legends in this movie and some iconic figures and some really some of the hottest figures T.I. is in here as well but in comparison to the celebrity of Eddie Murphy it's still a few steps down in a way but because and I'm saying this not in disrespect I'm saying this like this is how big Eddie Murphy really is so to be in a Eddie Murphy movie if I would ask any of them if I was to interview any of them how it feels to picture it like as big as uh, as big of a celebrity and star as they are how does it feel to be in an eddie murphy movie because that is partially you know growing up around in the neighborhood that was one of our things that we a lot of us always dreamed of doing i want to be in an eddie murphy movie or i want to be in some connection to eddie murphy or something because it was eddie murphy is just it still is one of the coolest things in our culture in our pop culture and our immediate culture to ever grace our culture in America. He has been one of the most successful, one of the best success stories in the world. I mean, this is a guy who has not graduated. He dropped out of high school and has become one of the biggest names ever. And I'm not saying that to say like, you know, dropping out of high school is the best way to go. That's not. I still think you should always get an education, but it just so happens that he just happened to be able to get the opportunity to do what he did. And he's a very talented person that doesn't speak for everybody else to do what he did. You have to have a particular type of it factor that Eddie had to do it. But I digress. To be able to be in a film 
an Eddie Murphy film and to also honor one of the other icons of that era. That's a big deal. It's a huge deal for those who were able to be on this movie. Huge deal. And I enjoyed it. And it looks like everybody else enjoyed this film. So let's go with this story here. Eddie Murphy makes his longtime grand return to tell the story of one of the of the legendary Rudy Ray Moore, a.k.a. Dolomite. The story of Dolomite is one of triumph, bar none. And that's what I got from this entire movie. Despite his lack of good looks and athletic prowess, that that normally like makes it to you know show business in Hollywood. Rudy Ray persevered through all of that with a will to never give up on his belief that he can make a name for himself doing it doing and doing what he wanted to do. That was the premise of the entire movie and it shows. Rudy found his way through comedy and rhyming, which, like I said, many of the hip-hop uh, community credit him for being a godfather of hip-hop. This has also led him to becoming a huge hit in black exploitation films in the 70s. The one thing this movie that you can take away is that you can never take away one's passion and will to be valued in life, bar none. My thoughts on this movie, bar <laughs> without a doubt, I wasn't old enough to experience the phenomenon of Rudy Ray Moore like, like many others have. In fact, I'm going to tell you now, truth be told, and I don't know how many people will admit this, but I learned more about Dolomite when I was watching Kitten Play's House Party. That's when I first heard about him because I grew up, I, I was born in 77 and I grew up, so there was like in 77, he was already, his movies was already out. People were already going to see his movies. I didn't see anything about him in the 80s because his movies were not being aired. <laughs> and, and if you've seen a Dolomite movie, it could not be aired on national TV like other movies could. So he had to put them on the side because it was a lot of, even back then, it was still a lot of nudity. There was a lot of uh, cursing. It was really, it was down and dirty. It was down and dirty with these movies. So it wasn't until like Kitten Plays House Party when the late great comedian, legendary comedian Robin Harris was watching it on TV and Robin Harris played Kid's Father on air as well. But he's, he was watching it sitting on a in and, and reciting his, you know, famous way down in a jungle deep line on a movie. So and I guess that and now that I've realized this, now that I watched for watching this and that discovering and learning everything, I realized that that was a paying homage to Dolomite and Rudy Ray Moore as well on air. So you had that. Uh, that moment stood out to me as it did for many people in Generation X who was unaware of his pop cult, of this pop cultural figure at the time. However, thanks to director Greg uh, Brewer, writers Scott Alexander and uh, Larry uh, Kowiski, Along with Eddie Murphy's tremendous portrayal and an all-star cast of actors and comedians paying their respects, we now get to know why many still praise this man's journey to this day. Even more now, because I think just people knew the, knew the character. I don't think they knew the background of what, how he got to this level. I think people just were, you know, knew of his fame, his celebrity, his character, uh, his 
you know, gimmick or whatever, but didn't really know the real Rudy Ray. And we got a chance to see it. So everybody got to learn something new, even if you knew it from the past. So it was just awesome. Rudy Ray Moore is indeed an inspiration. And I thought everyone involved performed greatly to tell the tale in legacy while also giving an inspirational message of never giving up your dreams. Just it was just so well told. Uh, by the end of this movie, no joke. I and many may have reminisced of memorable movie moments that you have seen them from the actual movies of this uh, of his uh, lineup of his resume, and even times they had uh, the honor to meet him, while others enjoyed what they have learned. Either way, Dolomite is my name is definitely a feel good movie. Let me rephrase that. Dolomite is my name is our feel good movie of 2019. And I'm saying our as in my community, our culture. If anybody sees this, they I think everybody, everybody old enough <laughs> should see this. And then those later on should see it again when they get of age. But there is a great message to this movie that I think everybody can understand, enjoy and appreciate in here and respect in here um let's go to standout performances of course eddie murphy as rudy is without a doubt a role that i think he truly enjoyed he, I, it looks like he had a lot of fun doing his um this role and it showed throughout the entire movie so uh, that's just speaks for uh volumes of that eddie was easily able to draw into the illusion that he was not, we were not seeing murphy but we indeed were seeing rudy ray moore aka dolomite himself one of the other big standouts here was divine joy randolph as Lady Reed. Uh, this actress, she was beautiful. She put a smile on my face every time I see her on camera. It, to me, it was mostly because of the empathetic uh, charisma that she had and many of us in a community can relate to or, and, and, or even based on somebody you know. She felt like it, the every person that we got to see. you know, And she represented a, the type of people, the real people, in this world that we don't get to see. And she says it in here too. And it's really awesome. Um, she's a great actress. She, it felt real. It felt genuine. And it was just, it was, she was a beautiful character and she just, she was no joke either. The movie put a warm hearted spotlight on her. And, and the idea that, you know, beauty comes in all forms and can blossom well on the big screen as well. Uh, she was tough yet gentle afraid yet assertive when uh when it time came uh the side story of her and how rudy and her got together to me was a delight on the of the film it was it truly was and i enjoyed it and i like the fact that they had no it was just throughout the entire film they had this great camaraderie with each other they had a great respect rudy respect to her despite the fact of the character that you see on the screen he really and i hope this is i I don't know how real this part of it was, but it just really seemed like that their relationship, I don't know how platonic or whatever it was, but they had a really good rapport and platonic relationship that they enjoyed and they went along with it. This reminds me of, um, there were some other, this reminds me of another crew of comedians that also uh, had to, has this type of rapport. I, I don't know if it's Cat Williams and a lot of other people, but yeah, there's a lot of, there's a group of um there's a click out there like that right now that reminded me of this as well. Uh, a lot of funny moments in here as well uh, that came from her, but it was she was just a, she was just so delightful in here. Uh, Wesley Snipes, man, 
<laughs> what can I say about Wesley Snipes that has not been said yet? Wesley Snipes play D. Orville. Uh, I don't. I gotta find out if this guy is real or just. I think this guy is possibly real. But um, Wesley Snipes can do no wrong to, on and as anything he does, he does no wrong when he's on film. Um, his ability to do drama, action, and comedy is a rarity of. No matter who it is, no matter who it is, any there's not many actors who can really pull off what he's pulled off. Because now, he, I mean, he, you, you know, we know him mostly strongly from being uh, Nino Brown first. Then he transitioned over to becoming the superhero that started all of what we're enjoying right now, and that's Blade. And when he did that, he also did his own stunts. He did his own fight choreography. Nobody knew that he was that much of a badass martial artist. Like he, Wesley Snipes, in, in hindsight, is what Rudy Ray Moore wanted to be. But we got Dol- we got Dolomite, so it was like a, it was more like a comedy version of it as well. And and and, and, and Michael Jai White as well. Like you know, that's what Rudy Ray Moore wanted to end up being. But we got Rudy Ray Moore instead when it wasn't bad at all. <laughs> but. He was able, he's always, Wesley Snipes has a way to make you love him or hate him, whatever character he plays. And in this role, he managed to get us to do both. There are a lot of funny moments with uh, D'Orville in this movie, uh, trying to make some sense of what he was directing in the movie with Rudy Ray and what Rudy Ray was attempting to do. And I, it was hilarious to see that. So I, I really enjoyed his character as well. Uh, Titus Burgess, I absolutely love this guy if you guys have watching um the adventures of kimmy smiths he is he plays the role of his of his namesake character titus he is absolutely hilarious in that show for him to be on this movie says a lot and i'm sure he is very humble and grateful to be on this movie as well um he plays the role of tony one of my he's just absolutely one of my favorite characters um his role was Basically kind of subtle, yet it stood out as uh, Rudy's most trusted and supportive uh, friends working at the record store in the studio as well. Uh, Rudy, you know, he was there for him throughout the whole entire thing for him climbing to the top and even his during his down period as well. So, you know, he was he was kind of his right his you know, eye on the prize type of uh, friend. You know, he, he stayed to him today. Michael um, Keegan-Michael Key, one of my favorite comedians as well and comedic actors. The guy is also, he has a wide range of, you know, actorial ability. <laughs> it, uh, he was really great. At, he played a more straight man type of, you know, character with a thespian-like presence. And this was kind of the fun portrayal of him because I, I felt like every time he played this character, every time he was on screen, I was waiting for him to to just be him. And he was able to tone himself down just a bit to play a more pivotal role it was like you know there's some comedy in his role but he was being more serious in the case but even when he's serious it's kind of funny because he's you hear he he's changing his tone of voice his range of voice and tone of voice to be a certain type of way and you know how he really talks so it was i i liked the way he was portraying himself on here but he also is a guy with a lot of range he you know from his normal high level you know style of voice and high impact characters he was uh, he played over there. It's just really cool to see him kind of tone it down, but still have some type of 
comedic presence in there as well. There were other pres- uh, appearances as well that I got to mention too. Craig Robinson as Ben. Uh, he was awesome in here as well as one of, one of the other part of the, uh, Rudy Ray's clip. Mike Epps also part of Rudy Ray's clip. He played as Jimmy. Uh, comedian uh, Linnell, which I thought was awesome to play her. And really, again, as, you know, as much as she's been in the game, she knows being in this being a part of this and being next to you know Eddie Murphy and playing Rudy's aunt was also awesome. It was she she did such a great job here too. Uh, Snoop Dogg, and I don't think she's she doesn't get a chance to be in and uh, roles this big because this is this movie was kind of a big deal. It's not even kind of a big deal. It is a big deal in a sense, uh, and for her to be connected to Eddie, it's like it's kind of like making it to the Hall of Fame <laughs> in a sense, you know. I, I really thought it was awesome. It, it, it speaks volumes of her comedic presence, her, of her stature in the world of comedy and black comedy, especially. So that you know that, that it was well deserved, absolutely well deserved. Snoop Dogg also an icon in his own right in the world of hip hop, playing DJ Roy. But even though I, if you tell him like, man, if I told you like when you first started, when you did uh, you know uh, Deep Cover, when you did that song, that you were going to be big enough and iconic enough that you end up in an Eddie Murphy movie. I wonder what he would say. There's a part of me that thinks that he would be confident enough to say he would. It's another part of me would be like, hell no. <laughs> I'm just trying to do, I'm just, I'm just trying to get in the biz cause <laughs> you know, you know, it's just awesome to see him. And also it's just seeing, you know, Linnell, you seeing Craig Robinson, Mike Epps, um, you know, T.I., you know, to me, this is all just, you see the stature of these guys. Titus Burgess as well. Keegan-Mike McKee being in the film. This is like showing their status of their, you know, because they, you know, Eddie is not going to just work with anybody. Michael Blackson is another one, too. He wasn't in the movie, but he's going to be in Coming to America, too. His stock officially just went up high and it will go up immediately high because Eddie Murphy just said his name and that tells you but to be in the film that speaks volumes his that's how big Eddie Murphy is like you mentioned if he mentions you and you're in the world of uh comedy and he praises you and you're an up-and-comer like Michael Blackson is dude his career is about to the minute that that movie shows his face he his career is going to go so far up he may not ever be interviewed, be interviewing on TMZ anymore after this, you know. So, I it was it was awesome. It was awesome to see all these guys in. My favorite scenes, I mostly it's some really interesting spotlight scenes here. When Rudy begins to study and listening to the stories of the ho- uh, homeless guys, which led him to creating his Dolomite character, thought that was very interesting because now we get to see how he got to develop his character and where he got it from. I like the fact that he paid these guys to, you know, get all these stories and information in there as well. I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, I like, of course, I mentioned the, uh, the first time he met Lady Reed as well. I thought that was pretty awesome because uh, Lady Reed was just getting out of a, you know, she she was in a club that Rudy Ray was going in. Rudy Ray spotted her and noticed that there was some uh, trouble going on when she confronted a what was supposed to be her boyfriend or something like that who was with another woman and he you know this is back in the day so he tried to basically he you know the dude smacked her 
And normally back in the day, that's usually a thing that, you know, men unfortunately would abuse women in that way. But it's a rare when a woman would be able to knock a dude out. And when Rudy saw that, he was like, okay, this woman has something. So he approached her basically and, you know, after the whole entire situation and the, the guy and, the, and his side piece went away and Rudy approached her and was like, look, I think you got something special. I want you to join me. And he gave her an opportunity after that, after all of that, he gave her an opportunity. She took it and it, 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 the whole the rest was history from there. He looked out for her. He gave her opportunity. That's the other thing I love about this. Rudy gave opportunity and the people that he gave opportunity to took that opportunity and ran with it. They saw they they saw something special, regardless of whatever, whatever they thought. And Rudy, for some reason, this, this guy, people, there's a lot of people in, in that they showed in a movie that didn't believe in his vision. But Rudy had the passion. He had a few guys that said, regardless, they still ran with him. They still ran with him. And then Lady Reed came in and ran with him because I, for some odd reason, they felt that there was something in there in him that can make things happen regardless. You know, and when one door closes, he finds another door to open. That's the passion that was Rudy Ray in this movie. When um, the other part, too, the other part that I love, um, I talked about Linnell playing Rudy's aunt. He I, well, I believe he lived with his aunt and he would borrow money. He borrowed money from his aunt. And then paid her back, which is something that they, I, I swear to goodness, I rarely see that in movies. It's always some hardship or type of situation that comes by and then something really happens. And it always something dramatic to see him be able to pay this woman back was very, uh, was so awesome. It was absolutely awesome. Then he actually, uh, he convinced the record company, the record uh, company in advance of like, 10,000 at one point and I think another 10,000 to finish the film that he was creating and when he thought that the movie bombed at first because you know no production no studio would take it and then he found out that it got popular through you know doing the theater and everything like that and for him to come back and be brought up by another studio and then be able to pay that 30 grand back it was 30 grand. I for, actually, it wasn't even 20. It was 30. He paid 30 grand back so he wouldn't get his royalties of his records taken away from him and he wouldn't own them. He was able to pay them back in full. I thought that was so awesome. That was so awesome right there. Um, then the other, the, one of the other uh, really fun scenes, too, is how the making of the comedic sex scene from the Dolomite movie and how that came about. That was hilarious because it was originally supposed to be a serious scene. And Rudy and Ruby D were just talking about like, nobody's going to take me serious on screen, have sex with a woman like this. So they end up making it a comedy moment and end up doing it right. And it was hilarious. Um, that was one of those moments where even um, Deerville, Wesley Snipes character, was even like, that was funny. That was hilarious and just ran with it. By the way, it was funny that Deerville, he knew he was like, he didn't realize what he was dealing with. And when he figured it out, he was, he just said, screw it. And he was drinking throughout the entire movie. He just did not make another movie. He was, he did not care. But one of the best parts that I loved about it was the end. When Rudy decided to stay with the crowd, this enormous amount of crowd that came to see his movie during the premiere as well as Rudy inspiring a kid that was a big fan of his and inspiring him never to give up on what he wants to do in life, 
while also giving him his cane. Do you understand how big of a deal that is for a kid when it happens? We get to see that a lot more in days because we got the combo conventions and we got a lot of things going on. Myself included, you know, doing this show and being able to be fans of the people that I talk about and then having them on a show to talk to them. Those moments right there are so great. And you always wanted those moments. I know I've always wanted those moments. And the fact that I get those moments a lot, I, I, I that was kind of a, a vicarious. It wasn't even vicarious for me because it actually happens for me, and I'm very grateful for it. But I, I, I empathize with that moment. I empathize with that moment for that kid, and it does wonders. Even if it's just meeting people like Stan Lee, you know, or meeting people like Dana White or something like that, or, you know, just getting made into special people that has meant a lot for you through something that you maybe have saw or experienced or meeting Anderson Silva for me, like that was crazy, you know, all, and all the people that I just mentioned, just for a plus the people that has been on the show. It's like, just, it's, it does something to you. It, it kicks you into gear of possibilities. And I don't, I don't think you have to meet a celebrity in order to think that way, or, but it doesn't hurt either. So when, I, when he gave that kid that cane and he told him, he gave him such inspiring type of thing of, 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 of message, it was awesome. And that was the way that that show ended. It was a really great moment. And I got to tell you, I really enjoyed this movie. Overall, I loved this movie more than I thought I would. I was not expecting it to be not only this enjoyable, but to be so, so warm-hearted, talking about a man who plays a pimp <laughs> doing exploitation films. You know, because when I grew up and I heard about it, all, all people were talking about was how much of a pimp Dolomite was and how much, and I think this is all they knew about him because he was all character. But now we get to see the behind the scenes. We go behind, beyond the curtain, and what we see is a phenomenal story of a man trying to prove his worth. You can't, deny this by the end of this movie i had so much respect for this man's journey and legacy and what he did within it on the road to it not like never he went and did this he looked out for people he 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 paid back the people that he was you know invest who wanted to invest in him this is something that everybody should look at and do this is not so outdated that the morals of this man is not so outdated that you can't take from what you saw from this movie and, and, and implement it into your own life. The story wasn't whether he made quality films. The story was, was he able to prosper and be exactly what he bust his ass to become? Also bringing others along with him, inspiring others and giving his word to everyone he made a deal with. I would say I would say this is not only a feel good movie for our community, but anybody who watches it, anybody who ever wanted to feel like they were something and anybody who is looking to prove that they are with that, with the more with this more than stellar performance from Eddie Murphy an outstanding cast, great writing and storytelling, great moments. You cannot deny Netflix has another winner in their hands. And without a doubt, I give this grade an A folks. 
you jive turkeys. That will do it for this episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Thank you so much for being a part of this. I hope that you got something out of this episode. The, the, the moral and theme of this episode. And if you haven't seen uh, Dolomite Is My Name, it's out on Netflix right now. Go out of your way to check it out. It is absolutely absolutely fantastic so go out of your way to check it out it's on netflix right now this is one of the great reasons why netflix is what is netflix this is why the kings this week on select start i will give my review finally now i actually got to play through the whole entire game i'm ready i can't wait to talk about this game cat quest 2 the latest addition to the cat quest saga coming from the gentle brothers shout out to my man desmond wong he's been on a show just a couple of months ago to talk about this game or a month ago to talk about this game and now i get to play it and trust me there is much to talk about lots a uh, lots of funny great things to talk about with this game ice so i i hate to be a spoiler on this but i really enjoyed this game we're going to talk about that more this week but not only that this is also um halloween week so in honor of this grand old annual event and holiday i'm gonna also review ghostbusters remastered i've i've been playing on it for a while i've uh, got a chance to really play it and i there's a lot of significant things to talk about with this game so yeah we're gonna talk about what many people believe is the third ghostbusters movie in this game this week on uh select start which by the way is gonna have a bit of a refreshing look on the promos uh you'll see it when it comes out i'm looking forward to uh presenting the new fresh select start look of the of the talk time live uh, extra promos so get ready for that next week on talk time live prime i already got that set up which is awesome terminator dark fate comes out november 1st i am definitely going to talk about i, I you know I, honestly i never went to go see any of the other terminator movies because i I had a hunch that they weren't as good and James Cameron wasn't a part of it. Well, I have no excuse now. James Cameron is back as producer, which means he's overseeing a lot of what's going on with the new director of this film. And there's already early reviews saying that this film lives up to the expectations that we had for Terminator 2. And it's picked up right at the events of Terminator 2 as well. So that even helps it as well, even more. I'm going to check this movie out see if the hype is met and we'll talk about it next sunday along with all the other news going on in our favorite fandom so folks that will do it for us please check us out on talktownlive.com itunes iHeartRadio, stitcher google play and podbean as well and i keep saying i'm going to spotify but i just need to get up on my ass and jump on that i will do that soon i promise sooner or later <laughs> i will jump on that but that will come here nor there it'll eventually come it's inevitable but check us out on all those other formats as well. And folks, thank you so much for all the support and keep us going and keep us growing. Uh, we're going to keep it going. I love it. I love what we do here. So folks, that will do it. On behalf of myself, this is Dax Xavier Josiah saying, learn to let go, live life, and love all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG presents Talk Time Live. I am out of here. See you, Jive Turkeys, later.
Music for this episode is provided by Game Chops. Check out these great chiptune tracks and more at music.gamechops.com.